Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promoting for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Ah, there you may. That's still bad. Hello and welcome to this. It is the Egg Chasers Rugby Podcast, the podcast about rugby that doesn't take itself or the game too seriously. I'm JB and I am alone in the rugby dungeon, but thankfully there is Phil. Hi on a fresh weekend of rugby. Phil, how are you? Hello JB, it's good to be back. It's good to have rugby in England back. Isn't it just? And also down the line in his Greek Greek shipping container, high on his BT cash, it's Tim Cocker. Yeah, the shipping container in Northampton at the moment, ahead of uh, the final game of the return of the Premiership, Northampton versus Wasps. So we are recording this currently on a Saturday evening, and that's my fault. Yeah. I'm, I'm happy to do it. I mean, the thought of going for drinks with friends and family on a Saturday night <laughs> fills me with horror. I'd yeah, much rather just... be nausing in, nausing in the rugby dungeon. Exactly. We could... We... Otherwise, we'd just be relaxing at home or out for a few drinks. We can we can be here getting angry about rugby related yeah, issues, really and bitter. performances. <laughs> so I am and Tim. Tim, you must have been doing some some travel this weekend because a few days ago you were in Greece, then you've been at Bristol, now you're in Northampton. Incredible! Incredible. Hello? Yeah, well, mate, it's, it's uh, that's what. That's what a love of rugby drives you to. Doesn't it just? Doesn't, doesn't it just? Purely for the love. Well, I'm horribly hungover today. Horribly hungover. <laughs> um, I went for a beer straight straight after work with my young, with, with, with my younger brother. Um, decided to have a few more. Then Sale came on the TV, so I watched that. And then I really had to have a few more. Um, <laughs> as, uh, as most neutrals would have done, I it, imagine. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, to... to, to Get through that game. You had to have a few drinks as a neutral. I had some serious sass from a barman. Um, got really shown up. I asked for a, be- um, a beaver town uh, neck oil, to which he said, oh, you like Heineken, do, do, um, um, Heineken, do you? <laughs> and this was the single funniest thing my, my brother has ever seen. He's like, oh, you thought you were so cool, di- 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 didn't you? Big Manchester, you know, big City J come, comes back to London, no, orders a neck oil and gets schooled but. By the by, the barman. And for some reason, it really <laughs> bothered me. Well, that, that that does remind me of one of my favourite uh, craft ale stories, which is <laughs> Beaver Town. Um, at one stage, a few years ago, so they they were hosting a 
um, a beer festival and they stopped, I can't remember who it was, but they stopped a, um, independent, a previously independent brewer um, going to their own beer festival that they hosted because they'd been sold out to Budweiser or one or Diaga or one of the big beer companies. They? And they, they made this statement about, we would never, This it's it's about um, independent working, it's about um, keeping it real, blah, blah, yeah, blah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Two, two years later, Heineken offers them fifty million pounds. In they their, take the money. Of course they do. <laughs> uh, same with uh, same with Brewdog. Yeah, yeah. Brewdog, Brewdog do all their Brewdog little could... sweary. We are so cool. Press releases. They're owned by private equity. <laughs> do you know, I've completely forgotten the name of the beer. That oh, Salty Kiss. That's salty. the one. How can you forget Magic, salty Magic kiss? Rock? Magic Rock Brewery, a good independent, possibly, um, probably still independent brewery in Huddersfield. Magic Rock. Mm. When was the last time you had a salty kiss, Phil? A uh, couple of months ago, maybe. Fairly, fairly recently. Yeah, I like, I like a nice, that... cold, refreshing one every every so often. Mm. In a way, that there's a theme with the drinks that that we've kind of championed. They're all disgusting. In, in, disgusting. <laughs> yeah, but I, can, just the Negroni thing. Can you believe how? All pervasive Negronis now are. Oh, I know. It's like people need a new, a, a new, more novel way to be disgusted. Time after time after time. <laughs> I think the they thing are, is when, they're everywhere these days. The thing is with Negroni is, is so disgusting. You're almost showing off your tolerance for the disgust. You know, it makes you very special. It's <laughs> the perfect drink for the age of narcissism. <laughs> if you had a drink it's the with, antidote yeah the antidote to narcissism no no it is a drink for narcissism because <laughs> of course if you had a drink that everyone liked you wouldn't be special would you yeah like this uh, now, but now everyone does like it this is the problem ah, now yeah. everyone does like it to the point that to the point that it was brought to my attention by by someone that um there are people who believe that uh us liking Loving to hate a Negroni is toxic masculinity in action. <laughs> uh, do I look toxically mas- masculine sipping my rosé? Pro- <laughs> Pro- Provencal. Well, hey, actually, on this one, let's keep this on the alcohol front because not only did he make his debut at the weekend, but Manu Tuolangi is part of a new alcohol venture. Yes, he is. To Ilargin. To Ilargin. Yeah. Didn't, yeah. <laughs> I can- I can't quite. Will. I'm like you, Tim. I don't quite know how to say it. So I'm glad that you two don't, because I certainly didn't. Reading's not my strong point. <laughs> uh, neither is spelling out this. Yeah, it was. It's bizarre. I don't need another gin. That, that's my initial thought on this. There's so many bloody gins. But gin's great because it's it's easy, easy. And cheap to easy and cheap to make, and you don't like if you're making a good whiskey, you need to barrel age it for twelve plus years. Whereas gin, just done. Whack it out. Yeah. Bish bash bosh, there you go. Yeah. Is it just, go. Like, can, can you make gin with just vodka and some flavours? There is now. <laughs> there is a way, and I don't know exactly. I was talking to a guy who owns a brewery, who listen, who listens to, listens to the show, and he was saying that they use the same alcohol for like if you imagine they're making the alcohol, like half it goes into their gin, half it goes into their vodka. It's just the um, what do you call it? The um, Britannicals, which yeah. Is. So I went to a, a gin tasting event. What a, a waste of time! A couple of years ago, and they they had all sorts like a whole range of gin 
um, some some very expensive ones, and you they were giving it you in very small doses, but neat and talking you through the botanicals in this, and it just confirmed to me that gin is cheap crap, mm. and you need to you basically need to put it with a load of tonic and some fruit or botanicals to make it taste good. It is not good. It isn't, is it? Maybe, maybe that's our new thing. Maybe just neat gin though. Then we would be unique. <laughs> that would that would be unique. That's uh, you'd have to be incredibly masculine to drink neat it, gin. Very masculine to drink neat neat mother's ruin. <laughs> I, I do like the fact that um, the, the two langies have have just come up with this, and I'm thinking they sort of had a whole range of drinks they could have picked, and they picked it because you can just about crowbar the name <laughs> and the alcohol together. <laughs> yeah. Just about, just about. It well, it it looks quite good written down. Uh, it, it it looks like it's quite clever, but then when you come to say it, I, I still to don't know. To allow gin, to allow gin, to allow gin. So, other rugby players that have actual drinks ventures, we all know about uh, Wolfpack Lager. Uh, I do believe that Brian Mujarty wanted to open a beer shop at one time, but he just felt that he missed the boat a bit on that. And Chris Cusseter. As I understand it, either is a whiskey importer, or exporter, or owns a shop or something like that. Mm. He is a big whiskey guy, I'm sure. And I think he's in California. To add a little, mm. a, an extra little wrinkle to that. In fact, not only is he in California, I think he's got a business partner who's another, who's another whiskey connoisseur. Mm. With, I bet in America, um, he'd do very well with the import-export of of scotch whiskey yeah definitely and being scottish himself must be an expert exactly can't not be an expert other other uh, drinks related stuff i know i think it's he slip and one or both of the carnies and maybe someone else they own a pub um not a million miles away from the aviva i uh, think same as same as the great gareth steenson owns the handoff no standoff the standoff standoff which <laughs> actually was in his garage but is now a yeah. real a real pub it's an actual pub, no? Oh, is it? So yeah. I, I, I have not heard that. So I knew he had it as his uh, little back garden boozer. No. Well, yeah, yeah. It was the original was in his back garden. But yeah. The actual one now. Well, yeah, he's he's got himself a pub. Awesome. Yeah. So there we go. So I guess we could start with Exeter then, because they're awesome. Can we all agree <laughs> they're awesome? We we can agree. I I would definitely say they're awesome. Um, oh, I think they're awesome. Do you, do you think there's a little element where they're they're actually enjoying villain status at the minute? Yeah, they did you, did you they? see that? Like they, the team ran out to the tomahawk chop, yeah, exactly. over the PA yeah. system. Well, yeah, I mean, people. I mean, look, that's what their fans would would, would be singing. That's what G's up the players. Uh, I don't know who uh, the broadcaster is to try and take it away from from them. Really, I think it's a little bit petty. So good for them for playing it over the PA system like that. Um, although, to be honest, I've had enough of that. I just want to talk about the rugby because it's back. And um, they looked absolutely ferocious. It, they were great. And they, they, they were, like, some of the team's performances and some of the games were quite different to how things were um, five months ago when we last saw proper rugby. It was, um, I don't know, settling to see yeah. that some things don't change. Death, taxes, and the extra um, pick and goes when they're five yards out of the line. They're coming for you, and they're they going to score, and you can't stop it. I've said it on previous podcasts, but I'll say it again. 
anyone lying to kids and parents that this this game is an evasion game with with contact involved it's absolutely not it's absolutely 100 in fact that's not even the best way to score points as exeter have demonstrated to us you know you've got a mall and you've got a pick and go and you've got to beat people up and they do it so well at the right times and it's because they can beat you up that then occasionally they can just break break free and have someone like Stuart Hogg score in a corner which was a superb try wasn't it that was awesome and and that's it's probably worth mentioning on, on that um some credit to Leicester because particularly in the the well the first half I thought their defence was excellent. Mm. And they, there was numerous times where Exeter got good attacking front football and they tried something similar, uh, a backline move. They tried bringing the blindside wing around to create an overlap. And Exeter, um, Leicester's defence read it brilliantly. And there were multiple times where they not only stopped Exeter, but they actually stopped them five yards behind the gain line and then f- f- um, five yards behind the gain line again. And while... I, watching this, I never thought the result was in doubt. Even when Leicester went two scores up, two, um, th- two three-point scores up, you always knew that Exeter were going to come back. But Leicester showed some some very good patches, particularly in their um, defensive structure. Yeah. Where they struggled, though, was um, the go forward and breaking Exeter down. I've got a lot um, to say. A lot to say about Leicester. An awful lot to say, say about Leicester. Um, I am with you on the defensive side. I thought the defense, defensive side uh, was good. Um, uh, I mean, I think Leicester understand what they are now. That's quite important. I think they've gone through a lot of heartache uh, to get to this point. And not only do they understand what they are, sort of organisational, but I think George Ford, when he's playing the game, understands what tools are available to him. And at the moment... He's not particularly confident of where he can put that ball. And I think that's why we saw an awful lot of George Ford kicking to the corners, taking on Exeter, uh, arguably their, you know, the, the strongest part of their game, which is the line-out. I mean, if you think about it logically, you're not going to win much line-out ball of Exeter. I mean, they are amazing. And line-out is you know, particularly amazing. Um, so see George Ford going to the corner, hoping to put pressure on the, the line-out. Didn't really tell you that I thought George Ford thought they could do it. It's more he didn't really trust any, um, anyone to handle the ball or go around them. And I don't think they're, they're ready to use any kind of attacking structure. I don't think they're there yet in in their development. That said, I thought Matt Scott and what's the other lad's name? Touter. Touter. They, they they look like okay. they could be a decent partnership. Yeah, uh, I I would go back to the point where I I thought they they did very well apart from the hog try. I thought they did very well defensively. Yeah. They t- to your other point though they. Did in in this game they seem to offer very little going forward, and yeah. maybe it is the the worst team in the league playing against the best team in the league. Mm. Um, maybe that's part of the problem, but yeah, they, they struggled on that front. Yeah, Talfua had some outstanding moments, outstanding moments, um, uh, and and then um, a gave away a yellow card and a penalty try. Yeah, and that as well. But you know, at that point, it's gone <laughs> anyway. Um, uh, what was the other thing I was going to say about them, which is interesting? Oh, yeah, the other thing which I find really interesting is I think we are going to see every Leicester Tiger who is registered with Leicester Tigers play. I think everyone will play. And I think by the time the season finishes, Steve Borthwick will have an in-depth knowledge of who is ready for next year and, and who isn't. And we might even see a, f- a, f- a further clear out. But I think they'll be, they'll be going deeper in their squad than anyone else. And I like the fact that they've sent a message. 
So um, notably, Nadolo just wasn't picked. Just wasn't picked at all. And uh, the club say he came in injured, so he's not fit. But I think it does say something that you know he's not fit, and we won't see him for two two, two weeks. So that so the, so there are standards which you have to adhere to if you want to put, pull on the Leicester shirt. And I think that's a a pretty good statement. Mm. And once again, on, on just on Leicester, George Ford again continues to just grab any team he plays in really by the scruff of the neck. Yeah, and ra- raise their standards. He he would be awesome in any club side in the world i completely agree i also think he's wasting his career <laughs> i like it, it he is amazing and we watched him today like he understood exactly what to do when to do it um now, there, there was there was one time when he just kicked the ball high and i thought yeah you're getting battered so kick it high make it in make it in make it into a lottery maybe you win it back get 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 a bit of a fluke and score fine makes 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 a lot of sense but should george ford be wrestling with a bottom place team when he should be, you know, the fly half for someone like Saracens or Exeter or something like that. But when he when he came back to Leicester, presumably he came back to win things. Like you <laughs> yeah. look at the history you look at the history of Leicester, it's not a club that is used to being in the position that it's been for the last two, three mm. or, or so years. But they they are firmly in that position at the moment. And you might argue actually it was his signing. Because um, he couldn't have been a marquee player, it's his signing partly which got them where they are. Because for the amount they pay George Ford, they can get four people to play in the back row. <laughs> you know, you, you can get a, lo- a lot of players, and have always struggled with squad squad depth. And then you had two Alangi, and you had May, and you had all those other lads. Uh, I think Leicester Tigers will turn this around, but it's going to be years. And by the time they get it turned around again, George Ford's going to be in his thirties. Yeah, and it's it's next season. Like obviously, this season is now irrelevant for them. They they will probably finish eleventh. Um, they would have finished twelfth, but they they can't because of Saracens. Um, next season is where it matters because, uh, as I see it, they they are gonna they're still gonna be in a relegation battle. Yeah, if they get their best fifteen out on the field, they still might be the worst team in the league. Uh, yeah, just in terms of talent. <laughs> Um, I know Aled Waters is phenomenally highly rated, mm-hmm. and that and that's a very interesting, uh, very interesting signing. The coaches are there now, and they've cut their wage bill, so pre- presumably next season they'll have some money to spend. Who knows? Who knows? But yeah, I think despite all those things I've just said about Tigers, they feel like they've hit rock bottom now. Like <laughs> now? they can't. Uh, yeah, I don't. Think, oh, I, I, I think that was there. There were some green shoots there. For yeah, them. exactly. I think that they're bouncing back from rock bottom. Yeah, I, I think they hit rock bottom. Uh, when Manu left, either, either the first half of this season or the end of last season, I would say it was when Manu walked out the door. That was <laughs> like that, you, you know, that, Eastman, Manu. You know that that is the turnaround point because they've they've got to move forward now. They can't get you know they they've they've lost two of their best two of the best players who literally just walked away. So you know then worse now than they were then. But I do think it's it it is upwards for uh, for Leicester. I don't know if they are worse now than they were. They're like Manning Tulangi, incredible player, played on average 11 games a season. Yeah, that's fair. And, yeah, and nine, and, and nine I, premiership uh, games a season. Yeah, I think they. I think that money, I think that 550000 or whatever it's rumoured to be could be uh, invested oh, more don't efficiently. When they spend that money, they will be better. But a team with yeah, Manning Tulangi is better than a team without Tulangi until they get some people in. 
Well, should we talk about a team that um, had Manu Tuolagi and their performance? I just want to mention, before that, I just want to mention Exeter because yeah, yeah. Um, th- there's a new try celebration for Exeter, I noticed. Oh, oh. oh. I think I think I might know the one that you're referring to here. The one today. that I'm referring to, Puke, Cow and Dickie. Yeah. Huh? <laughs> I don't know what this is. <laughs> Puke, hyphen, Dickie. Yeah. He uh, he so scored his try. Got driven over. Was celebrating. The, the, I've only seen the like the two second clip on on Twitter. He then uh, seems to th- throw up. Totally unexpected to him, and looks incredibly shocked. <laughs> that is vile. <laughs> the new it's all, the new cocked up all over all over his shirt when he goes when, when he goes into the next scrimmage as well. I think he got someone. Didn't he get someone? Some of his teammates as well. Yeah, it went everywhere. <laughs> I think. I think. I can't remember who the opposition uh, was. Who the Leicester player was? I think it got there was some on a Leicester player as well, which is just really adding insult to injury. You've just been like dragged over the line with by the massive extra pack scoring an, another try, and you've then been puked on. <laughs> You make me sick. <laughs> lads, lads, lads. Oh, Have either boy. of you ever, um, in, in a game, like either hungover or through like training or performance or anything like that, ever... ever through performance after, after cross-country in school. That was vile. That was... Did you? Yeah. I, I've never I've never worked so hard ever, I don't think. Um, then I, I've thrown up in a gym session once on a s- unbelievable hangover. Unbelievable! Like a wasn't like a CrossFit CrossFit session. It's like one of those, um, you know, smashing tires with hammer sessions. Like one oh of those. yeah, like a strongman. Yeah, yeah, that was man type thing. Awful. Uh, I remember feeling sick on a hangover playing rugby. I used to get drunk every Friday when I was a young man before playing. And like to say that I enjoy playing playing the game is an understatement. I love it now, but back in the day. From Thursday on until we finished the game, all I was looking forward to doing is playing. The, I, I absolutely loved it. Live, live for it. And I remember c- countless occasions coming out hungover and thinking, "Why do I do it? I love this so much, and I'm hating it now. I'm hating every second that I'm, <laughs> you know, I just. It's so unenjoyable. I'd ruin it every week. I, I agree. I agree with you. The, the couple of times I did that. Um... Yeah, or just ma- massively regretted it. Although there is always one occasion when you have an absolute blinder after <laughs> yeah. a big night. Do you know what? The night before, back in the day, this is like when I was youth te- youth team rugby. Um, I played against Carnarvon, and it wasn't as high up as youth team level. It was like one below youth team level, and these two lads arrived. No, it must have been youth team level because two lads arrived late and they were driving, so they they must have been seventeen. But, um. And one of them, well, both of them came on, and they were full of energy, like running around. The, one of the hits they made was unbelievable. And then after about five minutes, they kind of just disappeared out of the game com- game completely. Turns out they got a game late from a night out. Took some ecstasy to freshen up. What? Oh, <laughs> and then for uh, the next five minutes were absolutely unbelievable. Uh, we were playing against Carnarvon. Um, Carnarvon away. What? Oh my god! Yeah, oh. <laughs> uh, I think it's excellent. Well, I, mean, I, I don't know. I didn't know anything. I don't know anything. I don't know the first thing about drugs. I, I would have to look into the story, but it definitely um, made an impact. 
Wow. Short-lived impact. Very short-lived impact, yeah. We got I, remember, I remember, so obviously when I was playing, I would, would never um, take have a drink. Have a drink. I'd never take ecstasy before the game. <laughs> I, I would also never have a drink the night before um, when I was playing properly. But I remember um, being on a stag do. For, for, for some reason, there was a rugby game organised on the stag do. It was um, some lads from Vale of Loon were on there and we're playing against old Leo Denzian's kind of third, fourth team in, in Leeds. This is so Friday night, go out and get hammered in headingly. And then Saturday morning was a game against old Leo Denzian, like a tour game really. And I um, had finished the season with a shoulder injury. So I'd, it, this was about six weeks after the end of the season. So I shouldn't play in that game. So to, to prevent myself from playing in that game, I opened a can <laughs> of Foster's for breakfast and kind of Fosters went down quite well and had a few more cans of Fosters. And before I know it, it's like midday and I've had eight or nine cans of Fosters, at which time I felt perfectly fine to go play and played it full 80 minutes oh. with eight or nine cans of Fosters in me. Yeah, no, I couldn't do that. I couldn't do that. And you, did, you didn't you did puke Cow and Dickie during the game? Well, I didn't. I didn't. I, I did score one try, um, but I didn't top it off with a, a puke celebration. Oh. oh, so much toxic masculinity in this one for these bed bedwetters <laughs> to uh, get up in arms about JB. Indeed, um, indeed. Just just before we jump onto another game, because it it's it, it was um, Rob Baxter was vocal in the week, but I, I just thought just briefly we should touch on the nuanced way that the Gallagher Premiership now it started again has dealt with what a lot a lot of other sports have wrestled with. Um, and has become a politically charged issue um, with Black Lives Matter deciding how to, if at all, to um, show your thoughts on uh, um, tackling racism. And I just, I quite like the respectful way that rugby has allowed anyone to be respected for having whatever opinion that they have. What what were your thoughts on that? I mean, look, I'm very critical of... Uh, the, the premiership, particularly when it comes to all the social justice issues, which they just can't get enough of, usually for cynical marketing purposes. But you know, I think their intention was to go full on on this, as would be, um, as as it's in their nature to do so. That's the sort of thing that the thing thing that they do. But I've got to hand, I've got to give them credit. You know, they did listen. Um, they listened to players that raised um, that. Uh, uh, that raised concerns, some very vocal, some some very vocal concerns. And I think it was smart. I think they 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 took a third option. They let the teams discuss among themselves what they wanted to do. And I'm actually very very proud of how rugby dealt dealt with it because, um, you know, if if you want to kneel, more um, more power to 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 you. If you if if you don't, you shouldn't be castigated as some as some sort of racist. It's complete completely wrong. So unbelievably, unbelievably, rugby seems to have done pretty well. Yeah, I think it's been handled very well right across the board um, in the Premiership this weekend. And it is good to see the the clubs being given the freedom to do whatever they feel is most appropriate and most respectful um, in the right way. And I'd, I'd, I'd just say, I'd add to that, um, I thought Hugo Monia, who's been kind of spearheading a lot of this on um, BT and elsewhere, I thought... Um, has spoken really, really powerfully and really, really well, both um, on TV and also in his Guardian column yeah. um, this week, which was 
Tim, you said the word before nuance. It was putting a lot of balance um, and his personal perspective onto things. I thought it was a really, really good, well, very well thought through um, what, piece. What I like is it's quite a unifying message, I, I think. Because I mm. look, no matter what, I'm not going to wear a Black Lives Matter t-shirt. I'm not going to wear a badge. I'm not going to kneel. I'm not going to do it. No way on earth would I do any of those things. But I do agree that we can do better on racial issues. I do think it's good that rugby is against racism. I don't think there's it's a bad thing at all that we have rugby against uh, racism. Now, we can all get behind that. That is undeniably true that we can all do a bit better. But I'm not, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna do the Black Lives Matter thing. So I, I think they've handled it uh, handled it really well. Mm. And whereas with other sports, I mean, th- there were some people from. Uh, from the rugby union world who were having a very outspoken stances on individuals from other sports who chose not to kneel. And I just quite like that we're, you know, as we speak, we're five out of the six games in and whatever individuals have chosen to do, there doesn't appear to be anyone that is getting any personal stick. And um, that's it, isn't it? I think that's a nice thing. I think that's a really nice thing because I think when they um, mandated it, uh, like they did in football. Oh, is it right to say they mandated it? When it's expected, it leaves the floodgates open for some of the worst people in society to get on people's back and castigate people as racist and all the rest of it. Um, and they didn't do that. So I, I, I think, uh, yeah, I just think congratulations to those involved. You've done a, you've, you've done a good job. Yeah, and the only reason I mentioned that after the Exeter game is because uh, Rob Baxter, when he spoke in the week, was was concerned that by not having a unified stance that was done from the top down, it might lead to players I, being I think, exposed on yeah. social media and stuff. In, in, in actual fact, that concern was, I think the opposite is true. Well, actually, mm. I spoke to a player about this, um, this very same point, and it's an, an interesting point. It's not a political one. It's more of a team one, which I, it gives you an indication of how these organisations work and how the group of boys um, kind of interact with each other. But what they what they said was, I don't really care what we do for it, but the important thing is we all do it together because we're, because we're a team, and I quite like that. I mean, it was the team, it was the team angle they were more con- they were more concerned about, you know. And if everyone was to kneel, I guess they would all kneel. If they all uh, huddle, it's huddle. But the important thing was it was the team, it was a team collective, which is what they're paid to do. So good. I, I'm only I'm only picking out names just to illustrate this, not to try and throw any spotlight on them but I'm watching the Saracens Bristol game today and uh Saracens all three three guys didn't kneel there was two South Africans and Billy Vanapola but his, his brother Mako did and I just and it was just um but there's nothing to it but so so even and you saw it with Sale there were uh, some did some didn't and that's fine so it wasn't actually that all the team did all exactly the same thing mm. and that that in a way is what i quite like about it the one thing as you said jb the one thing everybody is is united about is that um racism has no place in rugby and mm. as you say we we can always yeah. and should strive to do better but ha- just exactly how you want to manifest that is entirely down to an individual then that's your business yep exactly right well, so well done rugby indeed um, yeah. Who else shall we congratulate? Let's congratulate Bristol. Yeah, 
Uh, semi Mad Rod is not as good as I was expecting. What's all that about? <laughs> I mean, Tim, you were at the game. First um, of all, I, I, I watched most of it. Yeah. Let, let's let, let's talk about the important bits first. How much does Semi Madrana make you want to lift shoulder weights? <laughs> <laughs> well, firstly, it's Randrandra. Oh, is it? Mm. Ooh. Well, okay. Just point, so it's, point it's like, of order. Randrandra. Is that like the Tuolangi, Tuolagi, Tuolangi hidden N? Yes, and the, the Rocco Dunguni. Rocco Dunguni. Right, so how yeah. do I say Radrada again? Randrandra. Randrandra. Semi Ran. Semi. Semi to to Tim. Yeah, just semi. Let's go. I, I'm just going to go first name basis. Semi. Yeah. yeah, like shoulders, yes, but his beard is outstanding. He's out. He's an outstanding <laughs> man, isn't he? He's inc- he's incredible. I'm so gutted after I I was I waxed so lyrical about his talents, his potential, what he's going to do, what a differential he's going to be. And he basically did nothing in no. this game. <laughs> he had one very <laughs> solid-looking hit on a unsuspecting Sean Maitland. Um, yeah, which was actually after the mark was called. I think he the... could have got in trouble for that. Yeah, but also he he kind of half pulled out of the hit, so he ended up smashing his own face onto yeah. Maitland's shoulder. So it was, um, yeah, that's probably the most notable thing he did in the whole game. Did he have a little run at one point? Oh yeah, and Billy stripped the ball off him. A little, yeah, not not really much of one. But there we go. That that, that was one of the big storylines from the build-up to the first weekend of matches. Two guys in making debuts in a number thirteen shirt, massively hyped, and did nothing who, during eighty yeah. minutes. Sorry, who was the other? Oh, hang on. Um, <laughs> hang on a minute. <laughs> uh, well, let's just focus on the task in hand. Um, <laughs> Uh, well, I, you put me off. You put me off my train. My train of thought now. What, what, what were we talking about? Yeah, Bristol. Um, I thought Saracens did very, very well to close them down. I'm amazed Saracens didn't win that game. I thought they came with exactly the right tactics and with a little bit of different execution. And to be fair, some weird officiating. I mean, I did not think that what Jamie George did was in any way illegal. Uh, I, c- I can see that as being a penalty. I, th- I think they might, uh, as in um, a penalty try. Because um, he, he comes in from the side. Look, well, Came in from the side. It looks to me as if he comes in and he's on the line. And he sort of looks... I guess his momentum is definitely sideways, isn't it? It's not in and out. Yeah. So yeah. I guess he's not through like, the gate, the traditional gate, as you'd imagine. If, if, I watch that, if I watch that in 10 different games, uh, I think most referees just let that go. I think that most people say that is fantastic defending. Because he doesn't just—he doesn't come from an offside position. He comes from behind his own line. I just think it's a very, very tough, very tough decision. And the other one was uh, the decision against uh, Rhodes. And I don't really know what to do with that because he gave away a penalty, and I know it's not in the laws. I, I don't even know what was law. What is it that Rhodes actually did? So uh, someone falls, someone falls over. Rhodes drives him into touch by tackling him on the floor. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, no, I do. Are you? Yeah, I, I saw that and I can't really... sort of because uh, I, I can understand Michael Rhodes was going. He I'll make sure touch. he gets into touch yeah. so we get the line out. Are you not allowed to make? Are you not allowed to do that? Because I don't. I think... guess you're not. I, I I don't think you are. I've seen I have seen similar things being done before. 
yeah, is in penalties given for similar things being done, like where someone drags someone, the tackle is made, and someone drags them in, across the touchline. Is is dragging allowed in in the laws? I've got a feeling it's not written down anywhere. No, I sure. I don't think it is because it, it it's got to be interfering with the tackler maybe because you've got to release the tackler as soon as he's a tackled player. So I remember Yestin Harris of all people playing one of his first games and. I can't remember exactly how it occurred, but there's a player on the floor. He's holding the ball. Yeston Harris gets the player's ankle and moves it into touch. And it was a penalty against Yeston Harris for yeah. some reason. And I don't know what I can't still to this day can't remember what it was for. But that is allowed in league. It's not allowed in union. It's one of those things like it's just part. Of the, it's it's not codified, but it's just part of the game. You push people and you grab shirts and you drag people. I guess I think yeah, it seems it seems slightly harsh. I don't think it was decisive in terms of the game, fortunately. But I think generally, when a player is tackled, he's out of the game as an attacking force, and mm. so has to release. And so, therefore, I guess yeah, is out is out of the game as for a defensive side as well. Why do yeah, because yeah. the, the the laws are the the tackler and the tackled player both have to release immediately. As in, the tackle has to release the tackle player, and the tackler, uh, sorry, the tackle player has to release the ball to, to allow you to play it. So it, it does contradict that. Um, the other refereeing decision, the the Luke Morahan, um, what Kassiard a finish! Try that never was. Um, where did you stand on that? Because I can see, I think Thacker knows what he's doing, but equally, I don't think Atoji was going to get him. I think Atoji was leaving it for the man inside him who didn't actually exist. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah I, I, there, a big, I'm exactly a do, dog leg in the defensive line. There. Totally. I'm exactly with you, Phil. Um, I think it's more for Harry Thacker to have given an, a possible out there. Yeah. Because it, it, was, it was a tight call, he did, but he didn't need to. I yeah. think Morahan scores. If Thacker just runs back north to south, which you're allowed to do, then uh, I, I think Morahan scores. Yeah, yeah, I, I I do agree with that. And you, if you do something uh, naughty and illegal, or so do something that's, that is against the rules, and it just happens to be at a time where there is um, a critical event like that, Silly boy. you risk getting pulled up for it, even though it wouldn't actually have had a material impact. Yeah, um, a quick word for Mara Toji and, and Billy V. I thought they were both brilliant. They they got to show their physicality. Yes, they did. I mean, Toji's are just a menace, an absolute menace. <laughs> and uh, there's times in in the game, well, first half in particular, second half not so much, but first half, Billy V was ev- everywhere. He's charging down kicks. I mean, he does things for a big man you just don't really expect. You expect him to pick up the ball and skittle people. But, you know, he's charging down kicks. He's stripping the ball off Randrandra. Um, he's just doing doing, doing doing everything. He looked class. Uh, and one thing I noticed, um, sitting in a stadium with no crowd, it was so revealing. You get to you get to hear and see. Well, you get to hear particularly so much stuff that you don't normally get to hear. Yeah, Some of the little banter that Jamie George has with the <laughs> with with the assistant referee when he goes over to do his lineouts. He just he just makes little comments and gives a little smile and stuff. And there was one point as well, and you mentioned Billy Vanapolo, that's what reminded me. He um Bristol managed to tackle a Saracens player. They did they did a kick chase and tackled a Saracens player into touch. And all the 
all the Bristol players in the stand were, were clapping and cheering and Billy Villapola sort of ran over and they could all hear him. He just, he, sh- he was on the touchline. He shouted up to the stands, oh boys, you like that, did you? Yeah, <laughs> you like that? Gave him a big thumbs up. Winding up the Bristol teammates in the stand. <laughs> but Billy Villapola really looked like he was enjoying himself. I agree. And he, he, he was very critical of himself only a week or so ago. Yeah, I thought he played well. Um, I quite liked how, well, at least this how it looked to me. I'm sure the stats will tell a different story as they always do. It looked like Saracens were successful in stopping Bristol getting over the game line and making tackles. More importantly, making their tackles uh, before uh, Bristol could get their supporting players in. I, th- I think they were very effective uh, at that, particularly out wide. So a lot of the times you'd see the tackle being made and no one supporting supporting the Bristol player. Two, yeah. two good defences. Two who hmm. negated each other a lot of the time. Bristol's defence was awesome as well. Yeah, two good defences. Um, the the conditions obviously didn't help the attack, and also I, the the refereeing in the game. So there's been a, an an extra focus on the breakdown, um, similar to Super Rugby Arteroa, um, and it has meant that in some of these games, particularly, there were a lot of penalties. Yeah. In in this game, the stats I've got in front of me, which will probably get updated, but it, it's thirty six penalties. Wow. In, in the game. It'd same happened is, in Ottawa, didn't it? Exactly the same Yeah, thing. it did. Um, but 36, like a team, you'd be hoping to have fewer than eight penalties in a game. So 36 is just, I mean, well, um, Bristol, <laughs> Bristol hit 22 penalties. I think, conceded. I think at one point Exeter were 16 to one. Yeah. As in they had one penalty to Leicester's 16. Yeah. Hard to win a game um, like that, you know. Really it, difficult. It's, it's very hard. But also it did... Um, other than a few moments, uh, not other than a few moments, but overall, I felt that the a lot of the rugby this weekend was punctuated by penalties, and a lot of teams struggled to get going and get consistent go forward because you'd have two, three, four phases, and then there'd be a penalty for one reason or another. A lot of them are on the rook. Now, if I remember the first weekend of the Arteroa to the second weekend, there was a bit of it that was the the players adjusting and there was a bit of it that the refs sort of went full throttle with the pens the first week and just eased off slightly yeah the yeah. second weekend i, did, I, I think i think the same will happen i don't think matt carley made any bad decisions in the saracens game i just didn't particularly like it was matt carley yeah? mm-hmm. i just didn't really like his style gotta say um yeah um on on itoji he seemed to be one player who did get he was making advantage of took advantage of the the um re-emphasis of the tackled player not making a, a second movement mm. making one movement to place the ball which gave him opportunity and and a few others did it like um Matt Kvesic for Worcester was one who seems to do it very well. I mean he, he was We'll, we'll come on to that in a minute, but he was playing. He was one of the few good performers on the um, him and Ollie Ol- Ol- Lawrence, one of the few good performers in the the Worcester team. Um, but yeah, there's a few players who seem to take advantage of the um, the changes in the law, but or the the reiteration of the laws rather. But a lot of players seem to be struggling with it for one reason or another. Yeah, um, big fan of of, of Timi Sangan. Uh, this game, and I tell you what would be a nice little story if they'd have pulled it off. W- uh, Woosencroft came off the bench, uh, the hooker, 
I think yeah. he had five minutes, if even that. He might have had three minutes. I've got no idea. But he had yeah, it was about that, about yeah. three minutes. He or son, win, win the scrum, get up and win us five, ba- uh, sorry, three back-to-back lineouts. And obviously the last one went awry. But I thought if, if he'd have got that third one, yeah, what, what, what a pressure player. And that, that, that finish. Uh, I, I, yeah. Yeah, uh, as in bonkers finish, a, a bonkers finish, but such a it's such a Saracens thing to do to win those games and yeah. just grind out the result above everything else. It's not pretty, but they've done it so many times. And to Bristol's credit, um, to hold out, hold out by Ill- illegitimate means at times, and Max Laheath got the, the yellow card, um, but then to actually hold out um, for good and Force the error on that final lineout. Um, f- massive credit to Bristol to do that, particularly against Saracens, who are so good at closing it out. Why? <coughs> why do we not see yeah, fouls today? <coughs> Excuse me. Uh, he had a he had a slight tight hamstring, I believe. Same uh, Elliot Daly just had a it was a precautionary thing. But this is you know they're building towards the nineteenth of September against Leinster, and I think they've got a lot that they can feel pretty good about yeah. that game the conditions were really bad but they, mm. they all, a lot of their fundamentals were really solid and as there are a lot of big players to come back Brad Barrett Owen Farrell Elliot Daly that's three and three in the back line alone mm. is Brad Barrett left or is he extended for this season extended, extended to the end of this season yeah good. he'll be kind of important I imagine I tell you what yeah. I, I love the signing of uh, Sacchino I've always liked him yeah, he's a handy player, isn't he? Cracking little player. Yeah. I wanted to win some man of the matches. I wanted to get some man of the matches because his accent is amazing. Is it? <laughs> it's really good. Uh, Gloss- I did I, I did like your um I only saw your interviews of um uh Pat Lam and Siali Pietau, Tim. Good. Some uh, some good questions there around uh, particularly around like how they're building. And I love I like Yeah, your, I like the um I like your question on um you phrased it something like uh, championship winning teams have to uh, perform when everything doesn't go well, which is like a nice little hint that, or really a, a question that does Pat Lamb um, see Bristol as a potential championship winning team? Yeah. Well, the the bit that really gets me every time I speak to Pat Lamb, and this came through in the, in, in the pre-match questions and some of the pre-match questions actually didn't make it to the, to the little cut that you saw on the telly because it, we, they were limited for time. But it, it also Siali Piatau's answer after the games, Siali Piatau said um, that love is... Yeah. He mentioned love, didn't he? Yeah, he, he said, did. He said a, bit, a big part of the, the Bristol culture is doing everything with love. Yeah, I heard that. Didn't like it. Not buying that <laughs> one bit. <laughs> not, not, interested, not into that at all. Well, what I mean is, I, what what comes through is that they absolutely, in the same way at Exeter, clearly the guys there just would run a, go over hot coals for Rob Baxter. It's exactly how the Bristol squad is with Men- Pat Lamb. Mentioned- Pat, Pat Lamb, that's what Pat Lamb mentioned. He said that in, in in the pregame chat, he said that it's he's delighted that everyone's signed up on these contracts he announced 33 players had extended their contracts he's delighted that, that they want to stay and that they want to that they that they um 
that their families want to commit to the city as well, which yeah. is really important to him. So it's like family, love, all these things that you don't normally think about when you just think of sport and rugby. Yeah, I, men shouldn't be that, that comfortable talking about their feelings. I've always, I've always said it. I don't like it. <laughs> I, I don't feel comfortable with it. So, no. I, but it, it's, it's a good point around getting the families integrated into the area because I, oh. I remember reading um, about... Um, like what, why so many foreign footballers failed when they came to the UK. Like super talented players just never showed it, it in the Premier League. It is it, essential, essential to to integrate the family. Yeah, like yeah. Uh, and for rugby, even 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 more so. Well, twenty years ago, it was what the the, the book I, I was reading about this was saying that kind of twenty years ago. They never even considered that side of things. Mm. So you'd have these 19-year-old Brazilian boys who are signed for Chelsea, say, and Chelsea just stick him in a five-star hotel in central London. And he trains from 7 a.m. through to midday. And then besides that, nothing. Like, no no integration. There's no nothing organized for him. He's eating in a hotel. He's got no... Um, like no role model, no communication with other people, no network, no nothing. And that's why they were failing because they were either bored or they were doing things they shouldn't be doing because they were not, not being looked after and integrated. So, listen, Whereas now there's yeah. like whole networks set up to ensure that they are, they're happy and productive. Well, can you remember Cleberson that came over from United? That was an awkward one because he's married to a 15 year old. <laughs> I can't, I can't remember that. I can't remember that. They had Cleverson over, and the rumor was he was married to a very, very young girl. Uh, and the other rumor about him, and I'm not sure that this was true, was um, by the way, and that last one was true. It's 100% certifiably true. You can look that up. It's 100% true. <laughs> that was going to be my next. I was going to play the uh, the journalism oh, yeah. de- devil's advocate. Are you but... sure? <laughs> are, are we going to get sued by the bloody Panathinaikos Panath- striker or every place now? Um, the other, apparently, the, the other one was um, instead of cha- cha- changing his tire, he just got himself a new BM X um, X X three or X five, whichever whichever uh, whichever one it was. But yeah, it's more important for rugby for. For, for lots of reasons. So if you think about football, the amounts that they earn are so obscene. Let's be honest. Um, the wife probably isn't go, going back to work. She might do, but she probably isn't. With rugby, your average salary is only about 100 and something grand. It's probably less than that now. It's probably more like 100 grand. Um, so not only does should should the wife be um, working, she probably needs to. And this is really important because... If you're, say, in Bristol, which is a big city, and you're trying to manage a salary cap, you don't want your player to up sticks and leave for an extra 10 grand because Wasps will pay him an extra 10 grand or uh, Brist- or, or Sale or some, 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 someone else. Uh, and the way you probably keep keeping them around is making sure that you know the wife is happy, that the kids have made, you know, made it into a nice school, that the cost for that player to leave your club has to be greater than the pay rise offered by, by, your, by, by your rival. That's, that's the only way. To manage to actually get money off off your salary cap in a semi ethical way. Mm. Yeah, it's a very good point. Mm. But, but yeah, and I think just just on the personal level, as you said, Phil, if um, if you feel settled, integrated, and like you're invested in the area, literally or and metaphorically, then 
you know, that, that, that those marginal gains, that extra couple of percent that you need to squeeze out to grind out a win against Saracens at home. That, that's when it comes through. So I, I really like the cut Pat Lamb's jib, like what they're what they're doing. But I do think there's enough there for Mark McCall to go away feeling all right about that defeat. Yeah, well, he's got to win the Champions Cup, which would be amazing. He's not going to do it. It's a shame. I'd love him to do it. Uh, and then he's going to have to win the Championship, which I feel that they, they might have enough in the tank for that. What what I do love is that if they may, if they manage to get past Leinster, massive if, but if they did, and if they managed to get to a Champions Cup final, they would be playing in the Champions Cup final and in the Championship. They must, the yeah, time. they have to, don't they? There's there's no other, yeah, the, the, there's no way to change the rules at this point, I guess. Uh, yeah, unless there is something around relegation written into the rules, but I. I I can't imagine there would be actually. They would never ever imagine that this would be the case. Even though (laughs) we have precedent uh, precedents in football of teams not qualifying but winning, I guess that's the yeah. I guess that's the closest thing that we have. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds. And they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Hmm. Just before we move on to any other games, I, I, I completely forgot to mention when we talked about Exeter, probably the best performance of the entire weekend, or maybe of you know the last five months. The credit should go to Stuart Hogg's hair surgeon. <laughs> it's remarkable. Is it good? It's looking I'm... thick, luscious. It's, it's <laughs> and it's not. Um, it's clearly not a. Uh, causing wind resistance and so limiting his top speed because he looked rapid as well. Yeah. Mm. Uh, but I, th- I think it, this is maybe, he's had several of these operations, but whoever he's gone to now, this is by far the best. Well um, done. If, so I was watching it on BT, I was watching the games on BT Sport on my laptop. Now, I don't know if the adverts are different if you watch it um, TV to laptop. But there was an unbelievably cheesy um, hair replacement uh, advert. Go on. Shane Shane (laughs) Warne and Darren Goff. And Darren Goff is just so wooden in it. And it played almost every single advert um, over the weekend when I've been watching the rugby. Yeah, you just got to. The Advanced Hair Studios one, is that? Advanced Hair Studio for Men, yeah. Yeah. Now, there is is an advanced. Yeah, he's so wooden. The, the the only acting that was is as wooden as that is 
God love him, Austin Healy in an advanced hair studios advert from <laughs> years and years yes. ago. And you can't find it anywhere. I, it's not on YouTube. It's not. And I, I just think really Austin's, want to find it. I think, Austin, think Austin's probably got, 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 got enough money to pay the right people to make sure that video disappears forever. Yeah. It's buried. Did you think there's like one USB stick in a safe at the bottom of the bottom of the Atlantic? You know how they uh, dispose of nuclear waste. <laughs> yeah. That's that's where it is. Uh, so a Gloucester are currently four points. Well, yeah, four points off fourth. Mm. Yeah, you Could mentioned it... in Gloucester that this this is another. I just want to point out one other example of the influence that we have on rugby there is there is the negroni the, the you know that that's risen after we started talking about it all sorts of other examples down the years and there is also the meme of this year is could be gloucester's year because <laughs> a prominent rugby uh, youtube video creator Used that very gag about this. Uh, well, is this year Gloucester's year? I would. That, well, that's us. <laughs> I don't know. It's, I it's, would... bec- it's become a, gen- a generic, a generic rugby meme. Uh, well, I, I wouldn't like to claim it because I've been ch- chasing this elusive year for a long, long time. Far, far before we got involved with Gloucester, they were underperforming. Um, so, could this be their year? Mm, not this year. Fifteen forty-four away. Yeah, lots, but... lots of. And by the way, that back division looks. I mean, I was really worried about them. Really worried about them, particularly their second rows. But yeah, you know, as long as they can play every game from now until the end, they're in with a shout. I every game. Read, so I wouldn't read too much into this game, into this result. So I, I watched this game apart from the last twenty minutes when I turned over to oh. Exeter because it was already game over. Um, Worcester started as the better team. And then after 18 minutes, um, Milani Nanai did something incredibly stupid, which was a no-arms tackle, five metres from his own line. He hit oh. Johnny May in the head. Johnny May goes off, but Johnny May gets replaced by Louis Free Summit, which is not a bad replacement. No, it's not. Milani Nanai is not seen again for a red card, a, a correct red card. 17 um, minutes in. Yeah, and from that point, every time Gloucester got attacking ball Cipriani found uh, the the gap in Worcester's defence and found either a crossfield kick or an overlap pass or a short pop and um, Worcester were never in the game after it's that point st- It's still 44 points though isn't it? It, it is it is and, and <clears throat> I, I'm, that may sound like I'm discrediting Gloucester there's some very good performances from, from Gloucester, Cipriani pulled the strings beautifully, um, that back three the back four with um, Lewis Rees Summit um, is absolutely electric. Yeah, might Jake, not Jake, be exactly. Jake Pledry, Jake Pledry was incredible. Yeah. Jake Pledry was so finally strong. starting. Finally, bloody starting. How long have we been saying what? What are you doing, Johan Ackerman? Yeah, Get him what, in. This this bloody back back row though. Ackerman, Ludlow, and Pledry—they are physical men. <clears throat> yeah, it, it was a good and Pledry was. Uh, every, every time I see him, even even when uh, Italy played the Springboks in the World Cup, he's still like the most physical man on the pitch. Yeah. He's still throwing defenders off him. He's unbelievable, um, and he he had an immense game. He, he was absolutely class. Yeah. And he creates so much space because 
you have to throw three or four defenders at him to, to tr- even try and bring him down. Yeah, I, I've also really like Ludlow. I think Ludlow's class. Yeah, so it, it was it was a good performance. I just wouldn't let it. Um, I, I won't get ahead of yourselves with thinking it's Gloucester's year. You don't think I should just put yet. the house on this? No, not not this year. Mm. Next year, maybe next year. Maybe. Is next year. Okay. There's definitely some green shoots for. If I was a Gloucester fan, maybe I'd be starting to get excited about next year. Yeah. Uh, well, would you be excited if you're a Bath fan? So this is the last game that has occurred. Um... Uh... <laughs> <laughs> I mean, no, they're, they're, you, you're not doing... getting away with this. You're not getting away with this. Let's let's. You've dodged the opening game of the entire weekend. <laughs> and sales visit to Harlequins, which we, well, actually, to be fair, our predictions were shocking. We, um, <laughs> they were terrible. We Worcester, Worcester would win at home, and that Sale would win away. I had my doubts then... about this game. I, I, we predicted Worcester, yeah, Worcester and Sale were the two that we got wrong. I did have, I did have my doubts, and I thought. Uh, so if I was, uh, if I if I knew some Sale fans. I would say they'd be very disappointed in this, but it is not <laughs> the. It is not. It, it it simultaneously is and isn't as disappointing uh, as it sounds. So let's go through the uh, why I what I think it went wrong. First of all, I don't think the lineup was good enough. Uh, they did actually they did actually get better, but you know when it's a one score game, the fact that they lost their first line out in a great attacking situation, um, that's not that's not tremendous. Uh, secondly, it t- demonstrates to me how important Sam James is. Sam James is massively important because if you don't have Sam James, it's unclear to me who is going to give you any kind of a, a, um, attacking threat using their skill set. So Marlon Yard, Sam Hill, Manu Tuolangi, um, they are all very good if you give them a ball and just let them go, go, go forward. Hammersley, a very, very solid uh, um, a solid. Uh, fullback and uh, and Byron, great a great finisher, but you don't have that guy who can be who can be a be a second playmaker, and I don't think Rob Dupree on his own can can do it all. You definitely need definitely need Sam James. I think Rob Dupree was under so much pressure to pull things off, he started making daft mistakes. So I don't know if you saw the crossfield kick which he attempted, but I think that yeah, the the very last thing he did before he got the shepherd's crook from Steve Diamond. I I would maybe have considered taking him off earlier, not because he's a bad player in any way, just because I think um, AJ McGinty is a magic player. So I would have, you know, I think AJ will get a solid run in the team though. But that was the thing. It was uh, I tell you what, I didn't see coming. I'm sure everyone will agree with me on this. When's the last time you saw Sale under so much pressure at scrum time? Mm. Yeah, and and the that Quinn scrum looking dominant. Absolutely dominant. Baldwin, Marler and Kerrod did a bloody great job. Fair play. Um, so that's where it went wrong for Sale. Uh, the, the, basically the set piece. And I don't think they had a um, a guy who could help out with the playmaking. Simple as that. And you can't mm. win games in that way. I also don't like people playing second row who aren't proper second rows. Like uh, Jean-Luc Dupree. Yeah, Jean-Luc Dupree is an amazing player. Give him a ball, he's an amazing player. But yeah, a proper second row, to me, does the rubbish jobs. Think of Johnny Gray. But th- th- that's been Steve Diamond's blueprint for his whole time at Sale. Because he-, he had James Phillips last season. He had John Mills before yep. that. 
Millsy. Back, back, big, bulky back rows converted to lock. That is true, actually. Um, that is true. And as big, bulky back rows go, Jean-Luc Dupree is awesome. And I, I'll, I'll give you another one. Um, Beaumont. Beaumont yes. plays eight. Back, yeah, back row converted to a second row. I think a lot of that, though, Tim, was um, more to do with what he had available to him. You know, now he can play basically whoever he wants. He can buy whatever type of player he wants, and yet he's still gone with the big, you know, the uh, big bulky second row. And Lou Diego isn't, you know, he he's not quite in the mould of. Well, he does work incredibly hard, but he's not the rubbish jobs, no glory type type type, type player. So it just, I, I think they need a bit more of that. And and um, he doesn't pre- like he, he he still has got a baby face, hasn't he? Yeah, Lou Diaga. He does. Um, G- giant man, baby face. Just just to the point on um, what has suited Diamond and Sale in the past. Um, for the last few years, they've not really been competing for top four. They've they've been trying to get in Europe and um, for for half the season is trying to avoid relegation. Yeah. Um, now they they should be with the talent that's available in that squad. They should well they should guarantee top four, but they should also actually be competing for um, winning the whole damn thing. Yeah. So make no mistake, Sale truly believe that they can win the whole thing. They really do believe it. So this loss, got the talent. Gonna, yeah. This loss is going to hurt. I think them. they can. I don't think they will, but I think they can. Yeah, I agree with that statement. I don't think they will, but they can. Um, yeah, they, um, they, they. I'm hoping for the fans out there who watch Sale that this will galvanise them a bit because Sale do have a nasty habit of coming, coming back into competition and not being particularly good and having to ease their way back into some form. And I've got a feeling that this might be that again. Mm. Um, can we? tell anything about uh, Quinn's long-term trajectory after uh, this performance. They're, they're th- they are now three points off the top four. Well, last night they were fourth. Uh, uh, were they not? Yeah, but then Bath have won. Yeah. So they, they can't have been because... Um, no, no, no. Northampton and Wasps. Right. Are, yeah. But they, they are three points off being in the top four. Yeah. yeah what I liked about Quinn's, that, what, Quinn's it was much more streetwise much more controlled and much more nasty. I really liked how physical they were. You've got to say, haven't you? Really abrasive. But but then Landajo just doing the simple things well, just doing those box kicks and a really good kick chase. And in Nathan Earl, it's like they've got a new signing because he's been out I been tell you a long what, time. Mike Brown's been out a long time. So that's, yeah. like, that's, that's two really, really good players. Did you see when Nathan that, Earl got to open up a bit oh yeah i mean uh, that boy he's he's big as well he's big he has frightening pace i didn't realize he was quite so quick and it it was it was good to see both him and mike brown back um because both of them have had very serious knee injuries um and clearly both work very hard to get back on the pitch and back both of them running really well yeah i tell you what i wish i could have heard the chat between byron and Ashton, although they look like they're matched up here, I'm sure Ashton is matched up against um, is matched up against Marlon Yard. Actually, looks like they're matched up against each, yes. against each other. Uh, if they were matched up against each other, they're, they're, uh, yeah, I would I would pay lots of money to listen to that back, back and forth. <laughs> Be a great back and forth. <laughs> yeah, it's disappointing. Um, there's a lot of work to be done uh, for sale. I mean, a hell of a lot of work. 
you know, just judging on judging on how they played. And I imagine this week at Carrington is going to be absolutely miserable. And you will see a you will see a bounce back. You will see a reaction because it, it will be utterly miserable now for for five days. Uh, and then when they play again, um, we should see an improvement. But I was, a... I was thinking, I was thinking after this game, so that bus journey back, the mood that Steve Diamond will be in after that performance, Christ. that bus journey back. But then I remembered they've got to have two buses for the social distancing, even though they can scrimmage together oh, yeah. for eighteen minutes. Do you reckon there's one bus with Steve Diamond on, and another bus <laughs> with literally everybody else on? <laughs> Steve Diamond, Steve Diamond is driving one bus, and everyone else, including the second driver, is on the other bus. Yeah. And that's the thing as well. Sale are an incredibly prideful club, incredibly pride- prideful. So you know, this whole reaction, I think the way that it's been built up as well. Uh, obviously, they were doing a, a lot of press about. Being top four, we even said last week, didn't we? We said, look, there's only uh, there's only point uh, there's only a point in talking about the top four teams because no one else re- like really like really matters. So for all of that chat all week and then to go and lose your opener is um yeah it's going to really really hurt and that's why they'll be successful because they are prideful. Well, yeah, they yeah yeah, but this is the, this is the Premiership and. Quinns at home can pull up performances like that. And so it, I almost think it would be slightly disrespectful to Quinns to say, well, they really ballsed up their sale, didn't they? Yeah, it would be. Uh, I right. also think um, it's absolutely fair to say maybe there was complacency. Maybe they believed all their own hype. And mm. actually winning rugby games is bloody hard. So um, you need to work well, they just gave away loads of They gave away loads of penalties. Yeah. Again. It was the yeah. theme, and Sale were probably one of the worst defenders of the whole weekend. Yeah. Uh, um, frustrating for uh, for neutrals, I can tell you that. Neutral, yeah, definitely frustrating for neutrals watching that game. Yeah, I, I do not understand what the Ben... Ben Curry gave away a penalty. I cannot understand for the life of me what that was for. For the life of me. Did you see it? Uh, I, I... It was... Someone, someone catches a high ball, they land, they turn to present... And they present right into a waiting Ben Curry who strips the ball away and uh, offside or something. I've got no idea what he did wrong. I've, re- I've looked at this video multiple times. I still cannot understand what he did wrong. There's no offside line in terms of tackling if it's open play. No. Yeah, unless unless a rook or maul is formed. If it's open play, it's open play. You can strip the ball from in front of someone, from the side of someone, from behind someone, as long as it's just the two of you. Yeah, so the player lands. Yeah, he lands. So like a line-out jump, but an open play. Uh... So it must be from a restart. So they rest. So so the restart. The ball goes up. They line out left a player. The player, yeah, Quinn's player, catch it. Comes to the ground, turns to present to his mate. His mate's not there. Instead, is a, there 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 is a waiting Curry. Uh oh. Was uh, was there another Curry or another Sale player? Because if you've got. Um... Players from both teams, it could be deemed to be a mall. The answer is nobody is connected. Mm. So, oh, maybe they are. Maybe that's what they've said. He's come the wrong side of a mall, but it doesn't look yeah. like it's me. As soon as his feet touch the floor, if he's got one of his mates are joining him and a sale player on the other side, then that that becomes a mall. Oh, uh, yeah. But anyway, any views anyway. on any views on Tom Curry's hair? <laughs> uh. Bit longer. I think he's got I quite like it. I think he looks, it's, it, he looks. It's actually I think. like it's, it's very much like the 
hair I had in the mid to late nineties. When you were <laughs> when you were a knit a, a, a knit, almost world class flanker too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, but it's 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 got a kind of uh, the centre parting is making a resurgence. It, yeah, I, Tom Curry is at the forefront of that resurgence. I, I think he looks very. I think he looks very dashing. He does, and he, it was mentioned. Um, I can't remember where it was mentioned, but it was mentioned last week or the week before about the Curry boys who came back uh, six or seven kilos heavier than when they left of of muscle oh, of good weight. Um, and whereas a... some other players have come back six or seven kg lighter um, than when they left training. Animals, mate, they're animals. I never said this before, but I have watched these boys now in the, in in the flesh. Seen them at Carrington. Since they were since they were teenagers, since they came into uh, professional rugby, and every week they get bigger and bigger and bigger. I, I don't know where it's going to end, particularly for Tom. I mean, he is enormous now. He was enormous after the World Cup, and he's got bigger again. Even though I'd say like he just gets bigger and bigger and bigger. It's the arms. Yeah, it is the, the arms. His arms are ridiculous. Uh, the, he's turning the... into some player. And the, the quads as well. Well, Tom Tom Curry now is a legitimate. Uh, international number eight as well. Yeah, even though point. even though Sale don't use him as that for the Six Nations, he was the starting number eight for England. Well, have you ever seen them do their um their their jackling drill? I think Dimes did it with um with BT uh, with BT Sports, but they basically put like a put like a harness, a cage on um, onto a curry, and then he <laughs> latches onto a, a ball, and they kind of move him around and try to you know you know they're. They're sort of like trained, trained breakdown assassins from an early age. Yeah, you, it's it's sort of. Do you know that girl like from a, Leon? Yeah, it's like Ivan Drago <laughs> in Rocky Four. <laughs> the fero- yeah, both of them are ferocious creatures. But he, here's the thing: so Tuilangi wasn't allowed to do anything or didn't do anything in this game of any note, and Semi Randrandra didn't do anything of note in the Saracens game. The outside centres, though. You've got some absolutely awesome young English outside centres. Joe Marchant is the real deal. And Joe Lawrence looks great as well. Yeah, Oli Lawrence is one that I was going to mention. I mean, I think potentially most important one to his team is Sam James. There you go. Um, And another one who who did have a bit of a quiet game, actually, uh, was Henry Slade, who's another talented Mm. young English centre, English outside centre. You're right. Yeah, he's probably, what, 25 maybe, Sladey? What I like yeah. about 13 is there's so many different ways to play it. Mm. Like it's probably, in terms of style, there's not many positions which have so many different styles able to pull on the same jersey. That's mm. fair. 12 and 13 more so than probably any other position. You're right. Yeah. Uh, Mind uh, you can get a massive uh, 12 or a playmaking. So, I mean, he, you know, when you can play, I guess you could play Kyle Eastman or Nadolo at 12. So, you know, there is that. Yeah. Winger's probably the other one where the range... Of like Colby and Adolo, both unbelievably effective for very different reasons. Yeah. yeah. Oh, so um, such a good weekend of rugby, almost. So, so what were you, what were you saying? Something about um, Steve Diamond? Did you want to talk about that? Not really. Uh, okay, good. <laughs> not really. No. Uh, I good. guess it was just. Uh, yeah, I guess we can for a tiny bit, which is there's obviously a little bit of controversy around the BT Sports production made by Squid Rugby, which is a really good video. I, re- I actually really, really enjoyed it. Yeah, I don't, I, it was tongue in cheek. There was a little bit of a joke about um, 
Sale finishing sixth. And, uh, you know, the next thing that I know, there is another video on Twitter, also from Squidge Rugby. And obviously he's been in communication from Steve Diamond. And he's not been, he's not very happy about um, finishing sixth. And I think you've got to look at this in two different ways, really, which is some people might say, oh, it's a bit petty of a DOR to be calling up someone, which is probably your view, right, Tim? Sorry? Would that probably be your view? Uh, It's a little bit petty to be? Um, I, I... I would I would be very surprised if if a DOR bothered to to call up someone who made a, a video. <laughs> well, look, yeah, it was that, on a national that's... broadcaster. It, it was on the it was on the host bro- 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 broadcaster, no, no less. Yeah, um, that's fair. That, yeah, and also I think it kind of gives you a window in a window into soul you know, to what I was saying before, which is. He takes it very, very seriously. You know, this is why he's successful because he takes things very seriously. It, there's and, a... and takes it very personally as yeah. well. That's, that's you know that's why he is successful. That's why he's so so formidable. Mm. Um, it's not everyone's cup of tea, but you know, so what? He, he he gets the job done as well as anyone. I would have him running uh, my uh, my rugby team in a heartbeat. Uh, and, and as I've said multiple times before, there are different ways to do the job. Not everyone can be Rob Baxter, and certainly not everyone can be Steve Diamond. And if you try and be someone you're not, I suggest you're probably not going to be very successful. Well, yeah, and as you just said about the 13 jersey being worn by people who play in lots of different styles, the DOR, we've got a fantastic range of characters in the Gallagher Premiership. And Steve Diamond is one of the biggest characters, and the game is all the better for him. Exactly. Tim, I bet you were. I bet you were gutted that you weren't doing the interview with Steve Diamond on uh, Friday night. <laughs> I'd, I, so I, could... I'd, I'd love talking. I, so I get into him again. Interviewing Dimes, because <laughs> I, I can imagine he would have been not. I, actually, I didn't see the post game, yeah, post match I... chat. I didn't see it either. Um, I imagine I, I, he wasn't the happiest. One of the no. um, oh, I, I must have a look at that. Um, one of the yeah, one of the things that I find quite, quite funny is. The the video on BT on BT Sport, and you can go and find it on BT Sport. I'm sure they've got it somewhere there. Um, keeps referencing the fact that Sale finished sixth, sixth, sixth. I mean, it's got, it's got no context to it that Sale were not always as good as they are now, and finishing sixth was hell of an achievement. But it's always six, 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 sixth. So I've floated the idea that should Sale win the win the whole thing, they should make caps saying sixth, and that they should make a thing out of it. They should have like a range, like a range of gym wear. Like it should, it six, six should be their number now if if they win it. Well, in fact, Phil, Phil already mentioned the pattern that Sale went through. They work. They, they used to work so hard to get sixth by you know whilst they were spending way less than anyone else, and then because they had to then be in the European Cup the following season, they'd finish tenth or eleventh. Yeah, yeah. Because they were battling on all those different fronts, like the dog that and caught the they, car. Like, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, and they'd, they'd spend the European Cup journey not being able, just giving up after three defeats, just going, ah, oh, to hell with it, but suffering in the league as a result. Yeah, so, you, um, I remember those European Cup campaigns, and they were brutal. So you've got to remember, Sale had a tiny squad, a tiny squad. So you go any deeper than the first 15, and they had some real, real problems. And they'd be going up, you know, you'd have the Premiership, and you'd have the same guy, same 15 playing. Then I remember we had, uh, they had back-to-back games against Toulon, and the two long boys that showed up were just enormous. And yet yeah. they, they gave it a go. And by the time you got to the fourth game in the pool stages, it it's already gone. It's already gone. But they, I remember but watching they did Sale. Try. 
I think I think me and you went to a game about five or six years ago, Jay, of um, Sale versus Claremont in the Champions Cup, and one of the years where they'd, they'd finished six, and they were then the the following following year going to finish tenth or eleventh, yeah. and it was a hor- really horrible night um, at the AJ Bell. Awful, Sideways rain, freezing cold, and just these absolute mutants from vomit, Claremont. Yeah. Got Varmahina just... and Nathan Hines and I don't know who who was playing. For them Cud- at the time. Cuddles was playing, I think. Yeah, Cudmore. Jamie Cudmore is that era. Yeah, rubbing your face in the dirt as you get up, and then, you know next week you're gonna to have to go to the wreck. <laughs> Brutal stuff. Um, mentioning the wreck, Bath got a good win. Uh, yeah, they did. They got a yeah. very good win, and they are legitimate. And Toby Booth is their head coach now. No, he's not. No, he's not. Neil Hatley. Neil, he's, Neil, he's, Neil, Neil Hatley. Is he, um, Neil Hatley. Yeah. Same, same. Same, same. Both scrum look like they <laughs> coach a scrum. No, Hatley yeah, is... Um, I, oh, you'll, you'll probably back, back, back me up here because um, I think it's your brother that told me this. Um, enormously highly regarded coach. Players, players love, Ni- uh, love Neil Hatley. Mm. Well, yeah, and do you know what? For, for all the stick Eddie Jones has got, there's another feather in his cap. Look at the premiership right now. And look at the number of coaches that have gone from working with Eddie Jones to big jobs. Which ones in the are really good, though? But which, but which ones are good? Paul Gustard. Well, he's not won anything yet. Well, no, but we, only one team can win in any given year. Yeah, but let's just he still fair. has he still has a, a head honcho job at a Premiership club, and what, there are a lot of English coaches now who have big jobs. Steve Borthwick is. Um, Head coach of Leicester, Paul Gustard worked under Eddie Jones. Is head coach at Harlequins. You've got Neil Hatley. There's there's more as well, isn't there? Uh, I think that's your, I think that's your three actually. But three is impressive. Don't get me wrong. Three is impressive. I just say let's wait for one of these coaches to become the next who, uh, whoever it is. Rob Baxter, I, Steve I, Diamond. I, yeah, I knew you were going to say Steve Diamond. I did, as you, as you just called out Gustard for not winning things. Weren't you just waxing lyrical about Steve Diamond's it's very, successes? It's very different. Um, five it's, minutes ago, the, the budgets between those two teams are historically have been very different. <laughs> very, very different. I mean, Gust, Gustard's only been in role for about eighteen months, hasn't he? Yeah, Gustard. Um, <laughs> I, Gust, Gustard's good. I don't, 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 don't get me wrong. I don't, I don't think he's a bad coach. I'm just waiting for them to win. And also, I, I'm not sold that. Borthwick's going to be uh, the greatest head coach just because I've never seen it, and no one has. So we'll have to wait. And and see. Well, just all, I would also add when Gustard now he's having some churn with his squad. When he gets a couple of massive South Africans into that side, Wilco Lowe and Esther Hazen. Well, they are big boys, aren't yeah, they? Andre Esther Hazen. It does feel like the Premiership is just becoming a repository of um, South Africans. Large South Africans. Large, I mean, they've already got that large South African second row in Quins. He's his, good. He Levy's. Good. Mm. Too good. Uh, yeah, so we'll see. And also, do you think, right, that being a position coach for England is better training for the job than, say, championship head coach or head coach somewhere else? Honest answer is I don't know. Um, you probably get more in well you you do get more insight into elite performance and elite coaching through England mm. which is where you should be aspiring to rather than um in the championship but you'll get more of the the hands-on management of the club in a championship I would have thought yeah I'd have thought that I mean if you want to find a group of people 
that uh, you know, are complete rugby norses, you probably want to look at championship coaches because it's not fabulously well paid. You've got to know your stuff. It's a pretty, you know, it's a, a pretty tough place to eke out a living. Uh, there'll be plenty of guys there who I think could make the step up. Mm. So who knows? Who knows? We we wait with bated breath. But, just um... we just got we we just got a little message to our Facebook uh, page from Philip Atkinson. He said, I know it's a busy English weekend at present, but I've got to let you know about this. Today, being on holiday in France, I went, and this he's talking about today, uh, I went to a match amical, which I guess that's a friendly, is it? I assume. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Between two, so he went to a friendly match between two level four French sides. Um, there was, oh, he said, oh, th- there wasn't any forwards punches until minute 12. So that, that gives you the idea of the type of game it was. A, fr- a friendly with plenty of punching, free entry, great conditions, and about 500 capacity in a fo- uh, 500 people in a 4,000 capacity stadium. Awesome. Niort versus Valence Dagen. Amazing so, uh, stuff. Amazing stuff. So there you go. If, I- if you want to see rugby with a crowd, get over to France on holiday and then come back and quarantine for a couple of weeks yeah. after. Um, awesome. I, I, I do love it where... You can sort of work out the translation, even as a non-French speaker. Uh, what, what was it? R- match, am- match amicable. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's, it's like when you're on the road, you see convoy exceptional. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I remember a few years ago, um, it's actually on my um, the first half of my honeymoon when I was in the south of France for a few days. Um, and I was n- not staying a million miles away from Toulon. And so I thought, oh, I was there over a weekend, popular rugby playing area. I, I must be able to find a game this weekend. And so, like, Toulon were playing away and considered um, Montpellier and they were playing away. And so, like, and then dropped down the leagues and I couldn't get anything within about 150 kilometres um, of, like, a tier one, tier two, tier three. The, actual, the nearest game was Zebra. The nearest really? professional game to where I was staying was Zebra, which was about, I don't know what it was, 200, 250 kilometres away. Bloody hell. So I, would I was, see, I was um, disapp- disappointed not would, to get a game in. I would see Claremont versus Stade once in uh, Stade de France. That's good fun. That'd be cool. That was very that was very good fun, actually. And that's yeah. where that story ends. Um, and this is where this podcast ends. So there. Uh, unless, any, <laughs> unless anyone's got any more for any more? Uh, we should just say... Well done, Bath, again. Um, we didn't really touch that game. We got sidetracked into um, Harlequins. But I've, I, it's the one game that I've only really caught the highlights of. Yeah. Um, and it, it, a good performance, some very handily worked forwards tries with the, the two hookers scoring three tries between them, Tom Dunn and, and Jack Walker. Um, and also Jonathan Joseph's try was a superb finish. I don't know if you've seen it. No, in, in and over the corner flag to score. Uh, yeah, and also, if you are thinking, where on earth is my Northampton game? Uh, well, you might have that in about two seconds' time if me and Phil decide to record something. If if Northampton game is worth talking about, we'll, me and Phil will be back on the line and, and, and talking about Northampton. And by the, by that point, you may you may have watched slightly more than just the tries from the Bath game, and you may be able to give Bath a little bit more props as well. Mm, so, maybe. Yeah. Is it unlikely, oh, t- maybe. And Tim, your Tim Landers, your beloved Tim Landers. They did a number on my beloved Canes. Uh, even after 
Kane scored two amazing tries. I was looking up for the. I was looking for the for the results. Did the Blues game get, get cancelled? Yeah, fully cancelled because of the Auckland uh, COVID nineteen outbreak. Oh no, what a shame. Yeah, and there, there were there no. Was, so they, 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 they. Am I right in saying? And and hey, I'm not a medical expert, but they shut the city of Auckland down because of twelve cases. That is right. That is right. Let's not get in, let, let's not get into COVID. Let's not get into COVID. No. Yeah, and, right and the, the Landers game, there was no crowd in. Mm. So, empty stadium after having nine weeks of uh, packed stadia. What? So no, let's not go there. Yeah, so, just to say, if they're shutting down a city because of twelve cases, are New Zealand ever going to open their borders again? No, and it's probably the best. And it's probably the best hope Aotearoa has. Of um, staying as a competition, <laughs> the players can't go anywhere. Not until there's a vaccine, potentially. Yeah. So, wow. Yeah, indeed. Uh, right. So you can find us on Twitter at Rugby Podcast. You can find me at JB Edmore, Tim at Cocker. Uh, Phil is lurking in your DMs somewhere. Uh, what are you gonna do with the, re- the rest of your evening, boys? It's it's eleven uh, fifteen on a Saturday night. I will be. Uh, I might treat myself to a beer Ooh. and then go to bed. Tim, you watching uh, more more of those moon landing videos? <laughs> I, I, do you know what? I'm, I need to um, I need to refresh my podcast feeds, and uh, I haven't downloaded and listened to any podcasts for a while. Can, so I need to do that. Can I recommend a podcast? And why don't we all recommend a podcast to each other? But uh, before we go, then. Okay, cool. So I'll recommend one to you called Blocked and Reported, which is a fantastic little podcast. Two um, two journalists, relatively left leaning, and they just talk about um, they just talk about uh, basically social media use and being blocked and whatnot, and just you know, that 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 kind of stuff. It is very very good. That does sound very good. Phil, um, oh, just yeah, go I, on, Phil. My uh, my podcast tastes are fairly vanilla. Um, no, I think you probably I think you probably know all of them. Um, I I do I love um, Econ Talks with Russ Roberts. I love Econ um, Talk with Russ Roberts. That is so. If you if you've not got that, jump on that. Or alternatively, the Real Science of Sport podcast with Professor Ross Tucker um, is very good as well. So they're they're two of my recommendations. There's probably nothing else because all the rest are, are pretty. Uh, well, they're both pretty boring and factual and straight laced anyway. But um, everything else is even more so. Well, you do well. You do surprise me, Tim. <laughs> I, I did enjoy. I I, I did enjoy the latest. Um, well, latest little season of revisionist histories. I I do like that. Ooh, and nice. how did this get made? That's the Malcolm Gladwell one. He's just quite interesting. It's just. Just quite a little good forty minute little How did this get journeys made? down. So I instantly thought then of... how, no, no 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 yeah no no so, so that was the revisionist history of the Malcolm Gladwell one. But how did this get made? I've reconnected and have such a deep love of that podcast <laughs> looking at some of the best worst movies of all time. It's such an easy <laughs> podcast to do, but yet so hilarious. Because you know, like how yeah. would you ever it's pitch so good. Roadhouse to anyone, <laughs> or, or, or even or even Karate Kid actually. You know what does the guy do? Oh yeah, he sells trees. Oh yeah, sure he does. 
<laughs> so miniature trees. So, yeah, that's how he makes a living. Get, miniature trees. Get how did this get made? Listen to because uh, that's really good. But more's the point. There are there are lots of rugby podcasts that have come back out of hibernation. Just remember who's there with you fifty two weeks of the year and hit subscribe and tell your mates. Exactly right. Exactly right. Okay, boys. Uh, see you soon. Nice one. Bye bye, guys. Good work. Yeah. Nice one, Jake. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry shampoo, Chantilly cake and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Paige Desorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.